0: Section 13 of History of the Jews in Russia and Poland, Volume 2, from the death of Alexander I until the death of Alexander II, 1825 to 1894 by shimon Dubnov, translated by Israel Friedländer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by SS Kim, Manict by show Portugal. Chapter 18. The era of reforms under alexander ii part two four further alleviations and attempts at russification nevertheless the liberal spirit of the age did its work slowly but surely and partial legal alleviations were granted by the government or wrested from it by the force of circumstances the barriers which had been erected for the jews within the pale itself were done away with thus the right of residence was extended to the cities of nikolaev and sebastopol which though geographically situated within the pale had been legally placed outside of it the obstructions in the way of temporary visit to the holy city of kiev were mitigated the disgraceful old-time privilege of several cities such as zitomir and vilna entitling them to exclude the jews from certain streets was revoked moreover by the law of eighteen sixty two the jews were permitted to acquire land in the rural districts on those manorial estates in which after the liberations of the peasants the binding relations of the peasants to the landed proprietors had been completely discontinued Unfortunately, what the Jews thus gained through the liberation of the peasants, they lost to a large extent soon afterward through the Polish insurrection of 1863, forfeiting the right of acquiring immovable property outside the cities in the great part of the Pale. For in 1864, after quelling the Polish insurrection, the government undertook to recrify the western region and both Poles and Jews were strictly barred from acquiring estates in the nine governments forming the jurisdiction of the governors general of Vilna and Kiev. The two other great reforms that of rural self government and the judiciary were not stained by the ignominious label Grumier, excepting the Jews so characteristic of Russian legislation. The statute concerning gemstube organizations issued in 1864 makes no exception for Jews, and those among them with the necessary agrarian or commercial qualifications are granted the rights of active and passive suffrage within the scheme of provincial self-government. In fact, in the southern government, the Jews began soon afterwards to participate in the rural assemblies and were occasionally appointed to rural offices. Nor did the liberally conceived judicial regulations of 1864 contain any important discriminations against the Jews. Within a short time, Jewish lawyers attained to prominence as members member of the Russian bar, although their admission to the bench was limited to a few isolated cases. Little by little, another dismal spectre of the past the missionary activity of the government began to fade away in the beginning of alexander's reign the conversion of jews was still encouraged by the grant of monetary assistance to comfort the law of eighteen fifty nine extended these stipends to persons embracing any other christian persuasion outside of greek orthodoxy but in eighteen sixty four the government came to the conclusion that it was not worth its while to reward deserters and began a new policy by discontinuing its allowances to converts serving in the army. A little later, it repealed the law providing for a mitigation of sentence for criminal offenders who embraced Christianity during the inquiry or trial. In encouraging the fusion of the Jews with the original population, the government of Alexander II had in mind civil and cultural fusion rather than religious assimilation, which even the inquisitorial contrivances of Nicholas' conscription scheme had failed to accomplish. But as far as the cultural fusion, or for short, the Russification of the Jews was concerned, The government even now occasionally indulged in practices which were borrowed from the antiquated system of enlightened absolutism. The official Enlightenment, which had been introduced during the 40s, was slow in taking root. The year 1848 was the first scholastic year in the two Enlightenment nurseries, the rabbinical schools of Vilna and Zitomir. Beginning with that year, a number of elementary crown schools for Jewish children were opened in various cities of the Pale. The cruel persecutions of the outgoing regime affected the development of schools in a twofold manner. On the one hand, the Jewish population could not help turning away with disgust from the gift of enlightenment which its persecutors held out to it. On the other hand, the horrors of conscription induced many a jewish youth to seek refuge in the new rabbinical schools which saved their inmates from the soldier's uniform many a parent who regarded both the barracks and the crown schools as training ground for converts preferred to send his children to the latter where at least they were spared the martyrdom of the barracks the pupils of the rabbinical schools came from the poorest classes those that carried on their shoulders the whole weight of conscription true the distrustful attitude towards the official schools was gradually weakening as the new government of alexander ii was passing from the former policy of oppression to that of reforms by and by the compulsory attendance at these schools became a voluntary one prompted by the desire for general culture or for special training as rabbi or teacher nevertheless the expectation of the russian government under nicholas i that the new schools would take the place of the time-honored educational jewish institutions the heder and yeshiva remained unfulfilled only an insignificant percentage of jewish children went to the crown schools and even these children did so only after having received their training at the heder or yeshibah realizing this the government decided to combat the traditional school as the rival of the new immediately upon his accession to the throne alexander confirmed the following resolution adopted by the jewish committee on may 3 1855 after the lapse of twenty years No one shall be appointed rabbi or teacher of Jewish subjects except graduates of the rabbinical schools or of the general educational establishments of a higher or secondary grade. Having fixed a term of twenty years for abolishing the institution of melameds and religious leaders, the products of thousands of years of development, the government frequently brandished this Democlast sword over their heads. In 1856, a strict supervision was established over Haders and melameds. A year later, the Jewish communities were instructed to elect, henceforward, as official rabbis only graduates of the rabbinical crown schools or of secular educational establishments, and in default of such to invite educated Jews from Germany. But all these regulations proved of no avail, and in 1859 a new ukase became necessary which loosened the official grip over the headers but made it at the same time obligatory upon the children of Jewish merchants to attend the general Russian schools or the Jewish crown schools the enforcement of school attendance would scarcely have produced the desired effect the orthodox managed somehow to give the slip to russian learning were it not for the fact that under the influence of the inner cultural transformation of russian jewry the general russian school became during that period more and more popular among the advanced classes of jewish population and gymnasium and university took their place alongside of heder and yeshiva yet the hundreds of pupils in the new schools faded into insignificance when compared with the hundreds of thousands who were educated exclusively in the old schools the fatal year 1875 the last of the twenty years of respite granted to the Melameds for their self-annihilation arrived but the huge melamed army was not willing to pass out of jewish life in which they exercised a definite function with no substitute to take its place the government was forced to yield after several brief postponements the melamed were left in peace and by a new case issued in eighteen seventy nine the idea of abolishing the headers was dropped towards the end of this period the government abandoned altogether its attempts to reform the Jewish schools and decided to liquidate its former activity in this direction. By a new case issued in 1873, the two rabbinical schools and all-Jewish crown schools were closed. On the ruins of the vast educational network originally projected for the transformation of Judaism, only about a hundred elementary schools and two modest teachers' institutes, which were to supply teachers for these schools, were established by the government. The authorities were now inclined to look upon the general Russian schools as the most effective agencies of fusion, and put their greatest trust in the elemental process of Russification which had begun to sweep over the upper layers of Jewry. 5 the jews and the polish insurrection of 1863 while the official world of st petersburg was obsessed with the idea of russification of jewry in warsaw the tendency of polonization as applied to the jews of the western region cropped up in the wake of the revolutionary polish movement in the beginning of the sixties at the inception of alexander's reign the russian government set out to equalize the legal status of the jews in the kingdom of poland with that of the empire and to abolish the surviving special restrictions such as the prohibition of residing in certain towns or in certain parts of towns disabilities in acquiring property and others but the highest polish administration in warsaw was obstructing in every possible way the liberal attempts of the russian government Prior to the insurrection of 1863, the attitude of Polish society towards the Jews was one of the habitual animosity, and this notwithstanding the fact that by that time Warsaw harbored already a group of Jewish intellectuals who were eager to assimilate with the Poles and were imbued with Polish patriotism. When in 1859, the warsaw gazette published an anti-semitic article in which the jews were branded as foreigners the polish jewish patriots including the banker kronenberg a convert were stung to the quick and they came forward with violent protests this led to passionate debates in the polish press generally unfriendly to the jews the radical polish organs published abroad by political exiles Took occasion to denounce bitterly the anti Semitic trends of Polish society. The veteran historian Lelebel, who had not yet forgotten Poland's historic injustice of 1831, issued a pamphlet in Brussels calling upon the Poles to live in harmony with the race with which it had existed side by side for 800 years. Lelebel's kindly words would scarcely have brought The anti Semites to reason had not the Poles at that moment embarked upon an enterprise for the success of which they sorely needed the sympathy and cooperation of their Jewish neighbors. The revolutionary movements which engulfed Russian Poland in eighteen sixty to eighteen sixty three required the utmost exertion of effort on the part of the entire population in which the half million Jews played no small part. All of a sudden, Polish society opened its arms to those whom it had but recently branded as foreigners, and out of the ranks of Warsaw Jewry came a hearty response, expressing itself not only in patriotic manifestations, but also in sacrifice and achievements for the sake of the common fatherland. At the head of the Warsaw community during this stormy period stood a man, who combined polish patriotism with rabbinic orthodoxy formerly rabbi in Krakow, Berush meisels had as far back as 1848 been sent as deputy to the parliament at kremsia and stood in the forefront of the polish patriots of galicia in 1856 he accepted the post of rabbi in warsaw when the revolutionary movement had broken out myself endeavored to instruct his flock in the spirit of polish patriotism revered by the jewish masses for his piety and by the intellectuals for his political trend of mind this spiritual leader of polish jewry played in the revolutionary polish movement a role equal in importance to that of the leading ecclesiastics of poland the harmonious cooperation of the orthodox chief rabbi Meisels, the reform preacher Marcus Yestrov, and the lay representatives of the community lent unity and organization to the part played by the Jews in preparing the rebellion. The Jews of Warsaw participated in all street manifestations and political processions which took place during the year 1860 to 1861. Among those pierced by Cossack bullets during the manifestation of February 27, 1861, were several Jews. The indignation which this shooting down of defenseless people aroused in Warsaw is generally regarded as the immediate cause of the mutiny. Rabbi Meisels was a member of the deputation which went to Viceroy Gorchakov to demand the satisfaction for the blood that had been spilled. In the demonstrative funeral procession which followed the coffins of the victims, the Jewish clergy headed by micelles marched alongside of the Catholic priesthood. Many Jews attended the memorial services in the Catholic churches at which fiery patriotic speeches were delivered. Similar demonstrations of mourning were held in the synagogues. An appeal sent out broadcast by the Circle of Patriotic Jewish Poles. Reminded the Jews of the anti Jewish hatred of the Russian bureaucracy, and called upon them to clasp joyfully the brotherly hand held forth by them, the Poles, to place themselves under the banner of the nation whose ministers of religion have all in churches spoken of us in words of love and brotherhood. The whole year 1861 stood. At least, as far as the Polish capital was concerned, under the sign of Polish Jewish Brotherhood, at the synagogue service held in memory of the historian Lelewel Yastrow, preached a patriotic sermon. On the day of Jewish New Year, prayers were offered up in the synagogue for the success of the Polish cause, accompanied by the singing of the national Polish hymn Boże Polskie when as a protest against the invasion of the churches by the russian soldiery the catholic clergy closed all churches in warsaw the rabbis and communal elders followed suit and ordered the closing of the synagogues this action aroused the ire of leaders the new viceroy rabbi meisels the preachers yastrov and Kramstik as well as the president of the congressional board were placed under arrest the prisoners were kept in the citadel of warsaw for three months but were then released in the meantime mcky vylepolsky acting as mediator between the russian government and the polish people had prepared his plan of reform as a means of warding off the mutiny among these reforms which aimed at the partial restoration of polish autonomy and the improvement of the status of the peasantry was included a law providing for the legal equalities of the jews wielding considerable influence first as director of the polish commission of ecclesiastic affairs and public instruction and later as the head of the whole civil administration of the kingdom Vele Polsky was able to secure St. Petersburg's assent to his project. On May 24, 1862, Alexander II signed a new case revoking the suspensory decree of 1808, which had entailed numerous disabilities for the Jews incompatible with the new tendencies in the political and agrarian life of the kingdom. This ukase conferred the following rights upon the Jews. One to acquire immovable property on all manorial estates on which the peasants had passed from the state of serfs into that of tenants. Two to settle freely in the formerly prohibited cities and city districts, not excluding those situated within the twenty-one first zone along the Prussian and Austrian border. Three to appear as witnesses in court on an equal footing with Christians in all legal proceedings and to take an oath in a new, less humiliating form. Bestowing these privileges upon the Polish Jews in the hope of bringing about their amalgamation with the local Christian population, the Tsar forbids, in the same case, the further use of Hebrew and Yiddish in all civil affairs and legal documents such as contracts, wills, obligations, also in commercial ledgers and even in business correspondence. In conclusion, the UK directs the Administrative Council of the Kingdom of Poland to revise and eventually to repeal all the other laws which hamper the Jews in their pursuit of crafts and industries by imposing special taxes upon them. This UK of Alexander II, though revoking only parts of the inserting restrictions in the elementary civil rights of the jews was given the high-sounding title of an act of emancipation the secluded hasidic mass of poland was glad to accept the legal alleviations offered to it without thinking of any linguistic and other kind of assimilation on the other hand the assimilated jewish intelligentsia which had joined the ranks of the Polish insurgents, was dreaming of complete emancipation and confidently hoped to attain it upon the successful termination of the revolutionary enterprise. In the meantime, the revolution was assuming ever-larger proportions. The year 1863 arrived. The demonstrations on the streets of Warsaw were succeeded by bloody skirmishes between the Polish insurgents and the Russian troops in the woods of Poland and Lithuania. The Jews took no active part in this phase of the rebellion. As far as Poland proper was concerned, their participation was limited to the secret revolutionary propaganda. In Lithuania again, neither the Jewish masses nor the newly arisen class of intellectuals sympathized with the Polish cause in that part of the country the systematic jew baiting of the polish pans or noble landowners was still fresh in the minds, and the jews moreover were pinning all their faith to the emancipation to be bestowed by st petersburg the -the will-o'-the-wisp of Russification had already begun to lure the jewish professional class in many lithuanian localities the jews who failed to show their sympathy with the polish revolutionary ran the risk of being dealt with severely here and there as had been the case in eighteen thirty one the rebels were as good as their word and hanged or shot the jews suspected of prussian sympathies the reserved attitude of the ruthenian jews throughout the mutiny proved their salvation after the suppression of the rebellion when the ferocious Moraviov, the governor-general of vilna took up his bloody work of retribution as for the kingdom of poland neither the revolution nor its suppression entailed any serious consequences for them true the fraternization of the warsaw jews with the Poles during the revolutionary years weakened for a little while the hereditary jew hatred of the polish people and helped to intensify the fever of polonization which had seized the jewish upper classes but indirectly the effects of the polish rebellion was detrimental to the jews of the rest of the empire the insurrection was not only followed by a general wave of political reaction but it also gave strong impetus to the polish of russification which was now applied with particular vigor to the Western provinces and was damaging to the Jews, both from the civil and cultural point of view. End of section 13.